Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Total Footstock podcast. I'm delighted to be joined this week by a veteran host who is known throughout the alternative betting community for his brilliant podcasts. It is, of course, the one and only John Nellis. John, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I much appreciate it. So um, obviously most people will know you from your Football Index and Footstock podcast, probably some of the biggest in the turnip betting community. But how did you get started on Footstock? Where did that sort of come from? I heard about Footstock through just kind of Twitter in general, I think, and gave it a go probably last summer. But I've kind of said before, it's just like, you know, I opened a pack. I think it was like 50 quid or something. And I remember getting like really bad returns. You know, I think I spent 50 quid. I said, I'll give this a go. I think I got like 14 quid's worth of players. And I was like, nah, never again. I've been conned. And then they announced the 10K free roll. And I said, oh, I may as well stick a couple of hundred in and get a team together. And then I kind of let it sit. I wasn't active. And then I think Foodstock started sponsoring my Football Index podcast about a year ago now, literally a year ago. And at that stage, I was like, right, I might give this a go. And I just started putting any sponsorship money or any affiliate money, whatever, into the platform. And then probably had a couple of grand in it whenever it boomed. And after that, I sort of just went a bit crazy. But yeah, I just kind of heard about it through Twitter, really. Twitter was where I and most people sort of heard about it. It's been a very successful platform for them to sort of get new users. A lot of the people from Foot Index, for example, have moved over after seeing it on Twitter and things like that. So obviously you obviously have a, a sort of a big vested interest in both foot index and foot stock. What do you see as comparisons between the two? Because obviously there's a lot of overlap between them and sort of being alternate betting platforms. But do you see them as competing platforms? You see, I think it's a really tough one because they're, they're very different in many, many respects. But you can't argue, like I would say that they aren't competitors, but when you actually look at it, a lot of people have money on both. And if they have money on if they're, they have money on food stock and money on football index, do you know that money in the other platform could be money that would be in the, the, the other platform, if you know what I'm saying? So they are competing for people's bankrolls in that way. But in terms of their actual content and the, the platforms themselves, I think they're, they're very different. I think it's fair to compare a lot of aspects, like the company's performances and, and implementing new features and stuff and the, their, their overall performance, but they're ultimately just way too different to actually compare the two platforms. Like, I feel they both serve different needs and do different things. You know, Footstock doesn't have dividends. Football Index doesn't have tournaments. And for me, those are the parts of each platform that actually add the majority of value to the players. Naturally, as I've already sort of said, as, as the demographic of both platforms is virtually identical. There's always going to be comparisons and discussions about which is the best to put your money into. And the thing is, it's, it's just down to the individual and what you want out of your, your gambling and out of the platform. Um, if anything, I think Footstock should almost be compared to SoRare and vice versa. I think Football Index and, and Footstock are so different in many respects in, in almost every way, apart from the fact that you can trade on them and they have a similar demographic. The, the actual, what you do on the platform is it's night and day. Like, one of the interesting things you see, though, is there is, I would say, a little bit of hostility between users of both. Some people are very football index focused and some are very footstock focused. And you often see, especially on things like Twitter, a bit of hostility between them. Do you think that's something that both sides should be sort of trying to like quash and trying to stop? Or do you think it's sort of a bit of fun and a bit of competition between the platforms almost? I just think everyone needs to cut the fuck on. Do you know, we're not in the playground. It, it does my head in. And I think this is one of those conversations. I've had it so many times on both my podcasts. And it, it, the bottom line is talking about it's not going to change anything. People just need to actually act and be different and do better. It's literally just about doing better. 
I just have never understood why one man would care where another man puts his money. Do you know? I really don't get that. Unless it's like your brother or someone who you love and you really care about. And But why would I care where some guy from Watford puts his money? I really couldn't give a fuck. And if he has more fun on one platform than the other, all part to him and I wish him all the best. You should want your peers to win as well. And, and you should want them to, to beat the house, essentially, uh, particularly on Football Index. On Footstock, obviously, there's a bit more peer-to-peer competition, but I just don't get that. What I can stand, in fairness, the, the, for the people that will listen to this podcast, they'll be Footstock users. It does my head in whenever you use shit on Football Index, particularly when they've had a bad period now. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of shit on Football Index. Because, obviously, Footstock's got a bit of hate over the, t- over the last coming the months and the year and a half or whatever it's been about. But I also hate Footstock accounts, like blatant Footstock accounts that have Footstock in their name using the FI hashtag. It's just inflammatory. All it's doing is causing friction, do you know what I mean? And Twitter is fucking the free world, free speech, do whatever you want. But, do you know, talk to your own community. Why, why cross over to the other community? Why? It's just causing scraps and bitchiness. And it, it's my least favorite thing about Twitter. It's just immature people bickering left, right and center. Yeah, I think the overall message for me is grow up, life's too short. But ultimately, I don't think there's anything you can say to change it. It's just... I think you're right. I think both sides are, are, are the guilty parties. I think Football Index being the much larger platform as it currently stands, I think there's a lot more ability for them to be sort of a bit more targeted. It really doesn't matter what other people are doing as long as they're enjoying it. Now, I'm going to challenge you with a very difficult question here. We're going to get in right away with a very tough one, I think. And I, I have a feeling this could cause some interesting discussions. I'm going to ask you, if you're only allowed to keep money in either Football Index or Footstock, which would it be? Honestly, right now, as of this second, it's funny because on my other podcast, which went out today on Football Index, I was asked to rank them which one I prefer, one, two, and three. So Rare was number three. I'm only dabbling in it, really. And it's such a tough one. I mean, for me, there's obviously that, soft place in my heart for football index because that that's what got me involved in this gambling world and what made me create a podcast and give me the platform i have now to create footstock content and there's obviously a soft spot there but as it stands right now if i could put money in one long term the way i look at it is both of them i think i would make a lot of money i really do i think footstock would be a much more enjoyable process so i would put it in footstock 100 percent. i've actually been seriously thinking about the, the last few days but this is something I preach to everyone. I've literally said this on both podcasts. It's it's a case of for me. I would recommend any man diversifies not only among players and among strategies within a platform, within platforms and different investments and different gambling opportunities within your life. I'm on three platforms. I have other things going on outside of this whole sports gambling world. Ultimately, anything can go tits up at any time. Nothing's nothing's a hundred percent, and I think it's only responsible to kind of understand the risks involved and diversify. If I had to pick one, honestly, it would be Footstock because I do think I'll make a lot of money. I do think it will grow over time. I think there'll be capital appreciation. If you'd asked me before auctions and the target card volumes and the reductions of cards, it probably would have been Football Index, but I think that's huge. And I think over the coming sort of months and years, I think there'll be a lot of growth and, and card prices, et cetera. Pretty much is a coin flip, but what swings it for me is the enjoyment that Footstock brings, the thrill of tournaments, because the wins are much bigger. You get those wins and you get the small wins on football and extra dividends, but you need to have a massive bank balance, a massive bank balance to be getting a grand worth of dividends on anything. Whereas on Footstock, I've won a grand twice. The thrill of that's insane. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Would you say, therefore, that you find the highs of the tournaments on Footstock better than the highs of trading for example if you make a good investment or something like that do you find tournaments more enjoyable than trading 100 percent, yeah i think because 
it's it's the gambler in all of us. It's the endorphins. Do you know, if I let's say for me to get a grand off someone on football index, I would need to buy like what four thousand of someone who wins PB. Is that right? Four thousand of someone who wins gold man PB or whatever. Like if you're going to get someone who's going to win that regularly enough, you're spending tens of thousands. So for me, I'm not going to be able to actually get that big a win, that amount of endorphins, that amount of life-changing money in a one-hour tournament, in a two-hour tournament, three-hour tournament. So while long-term, there's lots of little wins and lots of little PB chases and MB chases and stuff, it's great fun. The, the one that gets me most excited when I do well is Footstock, because when you do well in Footstock, it's like, holy shit, I've just won 600 quid. That's a holiday. I completely agree. I, I haven't had quite hit the highs of the £1,000 win, but I've had a nice uh, sort of £250 win, and even that had me sort of jumping around with excitement. So we're going to stick with Footstock for now, and you've already touched upon some of the brilliant features they've brought in this year. There's been virtuals sort of in March this year, auctions, single-player contests, the new sort of tournament styles. Which of these sort of features do you think adds the most to the platform? You, you sent a couple of these questions through to me beforehand that I think, and my answer to this was auctions and the reduction of card numbers to get the target card volumes, hands down. I mean, virtuals did, virtuals made the platform what it is today. You know, that can't be understated. There's a bit of luck there. There was a lot of oppor- opportunistic sort of innovation on Footstock's behalf. They obviously had that in the pipeline and they, they came out with it when it, was, when it was needed and it brought millions into the platform. It, it was an outstanding move. So, but you know what, actually, I love the virtuals. They've done a lot for the platform and I get a lot of enjoyment out of them. I really do, which I never thought I'd care about that. I used to always like scoff at like, you know, virtual betting. I always thought it was fucking ridiculous. But I think the fact of this being peer-to-peer and not you against the house is what actually makes it appealing. And the, the data side of it and the, the strategizing and research you can do on virtuals, you know, they're, they're not just a stab in the dark. Anyway, my actual answer is auctions. I think this is... I am really enjoying getting these European players because I think the future of Footstock, whenever they have enough people to support it and whenever they have enough people who will enter tournaments of all types and enough money in the platform to keep all cards at, at sustainable prices, I think the future has to be Europe's top five leagues, international competitions, European competition, World Cups. I think it has to be all the leagues, all the players. And if you had the same level of youth academy players across all the leagues, even if you start bringing five years down the line, Eredivisie and you know, these smaller leagues, it really, really could be an outstanding place for anyone who thinks of an eye for football. And it would have something that all the other, no other platform I'm aware of now can actually do. Like, I think that's a huge USP for Footstock. It's that you can go and buy academy players and you can get someone when they're 16 and they're barely known for 20p. And if you do that in all the top five leagues, I think it's outstanding. But I think the thing is like the potential in down the line for like kind of what's so rare are doing with like the champion and challenger divisions. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically like a champion is you pick a team for the weekend from the top five leagues. So you could literally have your Neymar, you could also have Messi, then you could have Ronaldo and you could have, you know, you could pick guys from all the different leagues. And I think there's just the potential for tournaments going forward as if they're not fun enough already is insane. And what these auctions do is allow people who are here now from in my opinion to get in early on a lot of these cracking players and have them and sit on them and in a year's two time when the marketing's all went amazing hopefully and the, the platform keeps going and the sort of the mess of a website and app because that that's probably my bugbear at the minute i just think you're gonna be in such a good place with all these play, these european players sitting there we'll touch back on the app in a second but do you think there's been a little, cha- a few negative comments towards bringing auctions and the Champions League in now? I think some people were suggesting that maybe the platform isn't quite big enough. 
yet. Do you think that's the wrong in that sense? Do you think, because from the sound of it, you think it's just a benefit at the moment? Or do you think it should have been sort of something delayed maybe till next year or something like that? Or do you think it was the perfect time to bring it in? I don't know what the perfect time is. I think it depends on your outlook on footstock. Like one thing I can honestly say, and I, maybe it is because I'm, I'm free rolling in most of my collection, if not all, based on affiliate deals and sponsorship and you know getting in just before the boom and then collection values going up significantly and stuff i don't watch my collection value day to day i really don't and if it dropped it's, it's sitting i don't know around 8k if that was 6k in the morning i am honestly telling you i'm in a really privileged position with that i wouldn't bat an eyelid i'm in footstock i'm going down with the ship if it goes down i don't really care if values go down of my cards a little bit i, I just really don't care i'm i'm I can't emphasize that. And I know that's a relatively unique position. So I do empathize with people who aren't in that position. So for me, yes, get these players on. I stick a bit of a bank balance in and I'll get bidding on European players that I believe in, who I think will be valuable whenever new leagues are added in a year, in two years. I do understand though, that people feel that money will be, people will sell a key in to stick in 10 bids on someone in Kungu or whatever. I get that. European players being added is amazing, but we're not supposed to have that. And this auction system, which I love, and the thrill of the auctions, and it keeps people coming back to the app every day. And I have had two or three people message me to sign up to Footstock because they've heard about European auctions and they, they want this. So we're getting new users based off this stuff. But no, no, we'll kick that can down the road till next year because Harry Kane might drop by 5% because of it. It's like, fuck off. People have concerns, I get it. It's like, with not to bring it up, Don Jackknife keeps giving me shit because he bring up Football Index, but like with IPOs, if people if they introduced IPOs now, Football Index, would, the people would shit themselves. Users would go mad because there isn't enough money in the market. I don't know what it is about Foodstock. I think it, it just doesn't seem to work the same way or something. I don't know. I haven't seen any mass drops. Okay, and speaking of sort of the auctions and the sort of player collection value and things like that, do you feel that Footstock is very open for beginners and new people coming in because one of the biggest sort of complaints you see is that people fear that they can't encourage their friends or mates to put in 500 pounds to get all the top players do you feel that footstock needs to add something to encourage these beginners to come in or do you think it's at the right level now because of the different levels of tournaments and stuff one big thing that i really think they need to do i was only thinking of this the other day Forgive me if they've done it, because I just I personally just never look at the bronze tournaments. I can't be arsed farting about and finding one or two star players that are gonna get game time and for, for really small rewards. But I would fuck about with my one and two star players that are relatively cheap, that are very cheap players probably. And I would enter them if there was a 10, 15 pound entry option. I really think if I want to tell someone to come and join the platform. And they want to bet 10, 15 pounds at the weekend. Do you know, two quid entry or a quid entry, or I don't even know what it is. I think five or silver. So it's like one or two quid down to the bronze, isn't it? It's one pound for the bronze, five for the silver, and then 15 for the gold. If we look at game week six bronze, right, which is going as we record, the winner of that gets 40 quid. 40 pounds. You mean to tell me I'm supposed to get, I get that's a lot of money to some people. I'm really not trying to be a dick here. But to your average punter, am I going to have to tell him that you can play with 50, you can enter, you can buy a team with 50 quid that'll get you into the bronze and work your way up from there. All right, yeah, okay, fair enough. I can buy a team with 50 quid of one and two star players. I can buy a pretty strong team and probably a couple of lineups. The maximum I can gamble on those players is one pound. 
I think, and I get that the struggle there, it, it, the, the struggle is obvious. The struggle has to be a case of they don't think the players are there to fill up more tournaments and more options. But the bronze stipulations with a higher buy-in, for me, is actually quite crucial to getting new people onboarded. Because if I was willing, if I said, look, I'll stick 100 quid and see what happens. For 100 quid, I could build a team that would compete in the gold, but I'm not going to have Bruno. I'm not going to have KDB. I'm not going to have any really consistent performer other than maybe some of the strikers that I feel are madly underpriced, like Aubameyang, Jimenez, etc. You know that type of scope of player. There's a lot of them between that sort of 8 and 15 quid mark. Do you know, I think if someone sticks 100 quid in, they might just about be able to compete with gold. Maybe. With 50 quid, you could definitely be putting in competitive bronze lineups. You could 100% be giving the platform a good stab and doing a bit of research. But if you win against the two, 300 other people, you get 40 quid. I'm not bothering my arse. I'm really not. Whereas if you tell me I can buy a competitive one to two star team and enter it into a tournament for a fiver or a tenner, I might win 300 quid. Okay, yeah, let's go. Let's try this. There is almost that sort of bronze plus and silver plus, which have the same requirements, but maybe are like two or three times. And even if they're not run every week, every couple of weeks or something like that. I think single player contests have done this really nice thing for new people as well, where you can sort of just see the matrix with a very low entry costs and a lot of fun. And I think in virtuals as well, they offer, especially in virtuals, I have to say, I think because virtuals do have, as you've said, that data and that maths sort of behind them that some people don't get when they first come on the product. Um, having those single player ones where you can see, ah, oh, why did everyone back Son? Why did he do so well in this one? And they can sort of see the logic behind how the virtuals work is a really good thing for new users. Now, we've gone off a little bit on a tangent here, which of course was no surprise, <laughs> no surprise at all. But we were originally talking about auctions, at least to begin with. I heard on Footstock Weekly that you've gone quite big on Mbappe. Um, what was the most you paid for one of your Mbappes? I think um, probably around 70 quid. Do you see that as an investment hoping that League One comes in? Or do you see that as an investment purely for the Champions League of the next maybe year or two? If Footstock succeeds and goes where it should go, I think that's a thing I could look back on and go, I bought Mbappe for 70 quid and laugh at people. Do you know what I mean? I really do think that. I'm buying arguably the most promising player the world has seen in how long. I've just bought him for 70 quid. If Footstock dies, I'm going down with the ship. I've already said that. If Footstock wins, which I hope and think it will, Buying him for 70 quid to me is just an absolutely ludicrous price. The amount of money he could win me in tournaments going down the line. So if you, so if we're talking about 70 pounds as the most expensive you paid for a Mbappe, you've obviously on your, your other podcast mentioned that Sancho would probably be well over 100 pounds. Which other players in Europe would you be willing to pay 70 pounds for, if any? It's a funny one, right? I'm just on that Mbappe Sancho topic, right? I think what a lot of people have, here we go again, but a lot of people on Footstock have football index biases. And a lot of people on Footstock will pay more for Jadon Sancho than they would for Mbappe, when realistically, there's very little reason for them to do that. The only reason they do it is because of hype around football index, but the reason he's so hyped there is because of the media he wins. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I understand you could say to me, but John, Sancho will be playing the Premier League next season, Mbappe will probably still be in France, or he'll be in another league that they mightn't have tournaments on, you'll only get the Champions League. That's fine, but as I say, I'm back in footstock to do what they need to do. And I think the next league to be added will either be Bundesliga or La Liga. If it's La Liga, Mbappe will probably be at Madrid. If he's not, Liga won't be that far behind. With the Euros next year, I'm sure they'll do some big promotions. With the World Cup the year after. And you can be damn sure that the day that Liga is announced in 16 months, 18 months, two years, whose price is going to fly up if Mbappe is still at PSG? So I just don't see there being a downside there. But your question was, who else would I pay 70 quid for? What about Fatty? Haaland? 
Haaland would definitely be right at the top of that list, actually. The amount of goals he scores, he's in Germany. I would back them to go into Bundesliga next. It just makes sense being a German company. Haaland will probably be there. There's rumours of him going to Munich if he doesn't. Maybe it's United, who knows. I don't know what to pay for, like, Reina. I don't think he's proven enough. Jude Bellingham? I wouldn't pay 70 quid for Bellingham, no. Just because I, I think he's a cracking player, I really do. I was actually amazed how much game time Dortmund are giving him. I thought he'd be kind of bench warming for a season and getting to do a bit, but he's played a lot. And I just don't know if he'd be that good a footstock player. I think the likes of... What makes it tough is I think you need to have someone who does the Adama Traore, St. Maximum mold of things, just beating people left, right and centre, or elite goal scorers. Okay, so what about someone like Messi? So when he looked like he was going to come to Man City, I had a look at his stats. I mentioned on one of my old pods and he was scoring an average of 50 per game last season. How much would you pay for a Messi if he was added for the Champions League? So probably some point this season he may be added. How much would you be willing to splash out on Messi? I honestly wouldn't be bidding more than 15, 20 quid. Is that because of his age? It's because of his age, his situation, where he is. I don't know if he'd be at Barcelona past this season. He made it very clear he wanted to leave but couldn't. Will he fuck off at the end of the season? Probably. Is it going to be in Europe? Possibly not. I mean, maybe he'd be motivated to stay and keep competing with Ronaldo for goal-scoring records and stuff, but like, he's not even in the Euros. Barcelona looks shit. They might not even go far in the Champions League. Do you know, there's a lot to it. Do you know, I think, like, even, like, Neymar, I think, should be priced way lower than Mbappe based on nationality, based on age, based on all the rest. But the thing is, I do think Neymar's price is somewhat justified because he... I, I honestly, I really do think Neymar is the best player in the world behind Ronaldo and Messi, hands down. And at the minute, I think he's probably outperforming both of them. He... I've watched a lot of PSG recently, and... I, he's just elite. He is properly, properly good. I don't care what anyone says. He's one of the best footballers I've watched. He's so good to watch. He beats players. He's not selfish like people would think. He's so unselfish. It's unreal. He's amazing. By the time he's 30, footstock to be in other leagues. And I think Neymar is one of those that will actually just be a complete and utter cheat code. So I think paying 40 quid for him now is a bargain as well. Especially if any of these rumours that come up every year of him returning to Barcelona or something like that. Because I think you're right. I think Bundesliga would be next. I think it's by far the most likely. And then I think La Liga would probably be the one after that you'd see as the most sort of natural next step. And in which case, if he ends up at Barcelona again, it could be it would be one of those crazy things where I think he would just tear up the, the scoring system. So we've been chatting a little bit about other leagues and things going forwards. But let's have a quick chat about the rest of the year on Footstock. They've mentioned a Halloween special. We've obviously got the October Monster, which we'll come on to in a sec. For around sort of the rest of this year and Christmas, what are the things you hope that they bring or do on Footstock? We've obviously talked about the app and some of the features missing from that. Is that sort of what you want them to concentrate on for the rest of the year? Or are there other things you sort of hope they bring in or do? For me, I genuinely think it's imperative. I actually was thinking today and I kind of said to myself, do you know what? Next week when I do my podcast, I'm going to go on a rant, my first proper rant at Footstock and about Footstock. I think this app website debacle it's going on just a bit too long for my liking right i'll I'll give you the situation i'm in so i'm in ireland so the app situation is completely different but i got the beta tested a while back so i kind of have this version of the app that doesn't really work i have to open up the website on my laptop which is different than the interface that's the app that i use on the web app on my phone because that's the only way i can access auctions but even through the actual app there aren't games and people are saying you can sell in multiples on the app, but I can't on the app app, but I can on the... Like, this is my situation. I'm getting kind of the, the worst of it because of the situation I'm in being from Ireland. But bottom line is you need a website and an app that look the same, that work the same, 
and that do everything. They have auctions, they have games. I would be entering more roulettes, but it's not on the app and I'm not going to go farting about signing in on the web app and doing this and that. You know, it's like entering lineups is a disaster in the new app. Checking tournament scores can be a bit of a ball ache. It's not great. It's just, I just genuinely with the stage now, I just don't think it's good enough. I think they're really hurting themselves because I think there's a lot of people not doing auctions who would have been. You only get the people who really want to. You don't get the guys who would just see it and stick a bid in. And those are the people that drive up the prices and that generates revenue for Foodstock and that's good for everyone. The games, amount of people playing them is through, it's through the floor. Like there used to be a time when I would be doing streams and we'd fill up 32 mans in, in seconds. And then it was like, it seemed to coincide when the new app came in out of people on stream and there'd be a lot of people watching and we couldn't fill a 32 man. So we'll go to a 16 man and you can get a 16 man filled because people have the app and they can, you know, it's just annoying. Bottom line for me is if they can sort the app and website out, make it all look pretty. I think that'll massively help with retention, onboarding, engagement, everything. I think that is for me, the one thing that needs to happen. I think Footstock have dropped the ball a little bit. I mean, it's one of the things that I, I actually do think the Champions League was potentially brought in early, but not because of the timing in terms of collection value and things like that, purely because I don't feel... It was obviously another thing they had to develop for the app. I just feel the old features that were... Even though virtual battles is quite small and roulette shouldn't be the main thing you're doing, or stat clashes it's now going to be called, they shouldn't be the main thing that you go to Footstock for, of course. But it just feels mad that you'd bring out an app. And now it's what? It's been out for about two months now and it still hasn't got those features. In fact, we don't even have like, oh, it's going to come at the end of this month anymore. I do feel that that is, as much as I love Footstock and I, I do sometimes look through it at rose tinted glasses, I do look at those and see a few flags and worries that this might be something that goes on for too long and that we still get to sort of 2021. And we have the point where we've still got a different website, a different app. Because there are two websites now, which confuses me. There's the one that looks like the old one, the one that looks like the new one. And you have to swap between them. And you have some people, you do see on the Slack, come in and say, I want to bid on auctions on the website, but I can't find it. And you're like, oh, you have to go to the new website. And it's, it does seem crazy that they haven't at least brought over more features. But I wonder if that's partly from the not having a big enough team. Because I know from my own little research around Footstock, they were till very recently looking for a front-end developer um, to, to presumably help with the app. So I imagine that's something that they've only just filled. They must have filled in the last few weeks since I checked because I checked again today and it's it's gone. So that's something that they've clearly filled. So they are looking to do that. But do you know what? This is the this is the podcast host that the community deserves. Do you know this research <laughs> you're doing? Do you know, I'm the one they got. You're the one they deserve. It's time, you know? <laughs> I could be guilty here of I've always said from the podcast standpoint, it's it's important that you don't let affiliation or whatever get in the way of your opinions and, and being straight about the product. And I've always tried, I, I, do you know what it is? I think it's, it goes back to that point of me saying, I'm not worried if my, I'm genuinely not worried if my collection drops by a grand, by two grand, by three grand, whatever. I'm in it for the long haul. So I don't really get stressed about the things they're doing. But whenever I really sit down and force myself to have a think, this is definitely something I've dropped the ball on. What I'm saying I've maybe not done right here is I probably should have went to Tom or James or uh, Oliver or Taylor ever and been like, here's a story. This is how I feel about this. I haven't said that this to any of them. And now here I am on a public sort of forum bitching about it. So I probably should have sent the email before doing this. But but I do think you've made the point. That I do think, I think they were aware of it, but I think it's, I think it's one of those things where they have so many grand ideas and it's very easy to think and then things go wrong in the process. So we'll move back to now talking about the October monster. Now, firstly, have you been successful and won any tickets for this? I got one. I won a virtual, I don't know, two weeks ago now, maybe three weeks ago. So I've got one. Are you intending to sort of enter all five? Um, I'll definitely enter two or three. Ah, I'll probably enter all five, to be honest with you, yeah. 
And what do you reckon the, the pot will go up to? Do you think it could break 10 grand? I think people really like these, you know, the monster aspect. It'll easily break the 10 grand because they'll give out nearly enough tickets to cover that, I'd say. Maybe not. Are they giving it out just number one or number the top three at the minute? It's top three. So I think they said there was going to be 200 tickets given out in total by the end. Plus, remember, in fact, I actually forgot about this. Everyone who spent over net £300 during that promo period as well got one as well. So I imagine that's at least another couple of hundred there, potentially. So I, I think they could have easily given out 400, 500 tickets. That's 15K. I'd be surprised if this wasn't 20K. I don't know if it'll hit 25 or 30, but... Well, if you think the World Championship was 50, let's say 55,000 pounds just for, for the round numbers here, and that was 100 pounds a ticket. So if this is at 30 pounds a ticket, if it hits 20 grand, you would, you would know that that means there are more entries. Do you think that will be a sign of the tickets given out? Or do you think that's just going to be one of the signs of the growth of the platform? The growth of the platform is a big thing. I think a lot of people like the fact that there's 10K guaranteed. I like the fact it's, it's a standout tournament. And the fact it's 30 quid a ticket, anyone who's a relatively big collection or a big player on Footstock will probably be entering all five. If there were 50 quid a ticket, you'd have to think twice about that. 30 quid a ticket, 150 quid. A lot of people would spend that each week on tournament entries, you know, between golds and silvers and bronzes and two mans and one mans. And I think there'll be a lot of people with five five man entries and... Moving on from the October Monsters, we spoke about that's a big monthly tournament kind of thing that they're going to bring in every so often. Do you, what do you think they'll do for the Euros? Do you think they'll do an equivalent of the 100k free roll where you have something to enter for the whole of the Euros across and you get your sort of best few match scores? Or do you think they'll do uh, more like sort of standard weekend gold, silver, bronzes over a couple of days or days at a time? Something Footstock always do is surprise you and they're ridiculously innovative and they come up with amazing things. I have no doubt, like, do you know what I mean? Us sitting here spitballing about this for a while or how, however long you think about it in the shower when you're walking a dog. Like, Tom Mitchum is sitting over a desk scratching his head for hours a day over this stuff. Like, I think it'll be a big mad mixture of it all. I think they'll probably have, I think it would be wise maybe to have a sort of team of the tournament type thing where you enter lineups beforehand and whoever accumulates the most points over the tournament or something like that. So you're trying to pick people who go deep or maybe peak three top scores of players are combined or whatever they probably have a tournament long free roll or big tournament that you have to buy in free roll will be good for marketing so probably a free roll but they'll also more than likely have lots of other little tournaments going on and smaller kind of just gold match days like the gold tournaments for boosted or giving them some extras i, I don't actually know i'm kind of rambling here maybe big free rolls of, on other days or i'm trying to think what they could do top goal score things and you only get points for goals. You could do something like that where they only get points for goals. So that would end up doing the top goal score or something like that. Almost like a single player contest. But you only have one entry. You choose your top scorer. They only score for goals, something like that. Oh, I'd be fascinated if they did a full tournament single player contest. So you can enter one player for the whole tournament. Do you go for someone who's going to go very far? They have more chance to get points. Or do you go for someone who has easier, say, group stage games? Because if they score a hat trick in a group stage, that could easily outscore someone who goes through the whole tournament but only scores a few goals in each at each level obviously virtuals as we mentioned earlier caused a huge spike in users sort of coming on for the virtuals that filled the the lockdown void um if there was another lockdown i asked james if he thought this as well i'd be interested to hear what you think but do you think another lockdown and another sort of period of virtuals only would cause another massive spike or do you think that was just a one in a life once in a lifetime sort of lightning in a bottle moment i think that was once in a lifetime to be honest with you I'm not saying it wouldn't cause a boost, but it wouldn't, I don't think it'll ever have the effect it had before. It can't be understated what that did for the platform back then. It was absolutely mental. 
the people that are targeting to sign up and the people who are susceptible to signing up based on the likes of virtuals, a lot of those people have already been marketed to back in May. How many new heads are there that you could try and convince? Maybe a bit of retarget and maybe people think, Jesus, boom, last time of virtuals and people think they're being clever getting in early. Do you know, I'm not saying there wouldn't be a boost. I just think like there's a lot of people who tried it and it wasn't for them and they fucked off. I don't think they'll come back again uh, if it happened again. So I think you're losing all those people. You got a lot of people then who are still here and contributing to the sort of ecosystem that is Footstock. So they won't really provide a boost. They'll just be there already. I think it would be very limited numbers of heads that, you know, convert into signing to sign up depositing users who didn't hear about it in May. Does that make sense? Where do you think Footstock should be aiming their marketing now then? Should it be at people who are already in this alternate betting sort of market, the people who, some some on So Rare, some on the Football Index, or do you think it should be at people who are just using the free fantasy football like that? Or is it should be people on Skybet, Betfair, or those people? Where do you think it's best for them to sort of focus now they've got this sort of base core users? That's a tough one. I think this is something James Copeland's probably stressed over for a long time. Every sort of demographic has its own benefits. I think with the likes of FPL, you have numbers, you have a lot of people, but they're probably quite unlikely to convert to depositing users. Um, and if they do, they mightn't be as used to putting in big bank rolls. If you bring in someone from an alternate gambling platform, they're much more likely, if they're a big time gambler, to not hesitate to deposit thousands and to go for it if they believe in it. So you're probably going to get, like, for 10. FI so rare Betfair users, it, that's probably worth like 100 FPL users. Do you know what I'm saying? Money-wise, coming into the, the market, uh, I don't really know. I think it's a mixture of them all because but I think the key is simplicity and keeping the barrier to entry relatively low. Like being able to come in and compete and have fun and make money for 50 quid is I think 50 quid's a nice round number for a lot of people that a lot of people tend to try these platforms out with. If you can get someone in for 50 quid who can build a semi-competitive team, even in bronze, and as they come back around full circle, and they can go and bet their fiver or a tenner that they would bet each week, their, their weekend bet that they normally stick into bet365, and they can stick it in and stick their lineup in that's strong for 50 quid for the bronze sort of stipulations, um, one, two-star players. Do you know, there's a thrill to that, and I think that would aid retention, and I think that's a big thing. I'm completely not answering your question here, but uh, but I think they just need to make their material really, really simple and make it easy to transition. And I think the all-over-the-place apps and websites make that hard again. There are a couple of barriers there. One last question before you have to have to head off. Um, Football Index is now, I'd say, starting to mature as a platform. It's nearly five years old now. Footstock comparatively is a third of that age. It's only about 18 months now. Where would you expect Footstock to be in three and a half years time when it hits that same, the same period we are now with Foot Index? Do you think it will have outgrown Foot Index in the equivalent period? Or do you think Footstock will always, because of the potentially high collection value required, it will always struggle to hit the sort of really high numbers of Foot Index? That's a really tough question. I think there's just so many variables do you know, I don't think it's out of the question that in three and a half, four years, Footstock has 100 million plus market cap and the cards in the platform are worth more than that, like 100 million worth of cards in the platform. That sounds fucking crazy. I don't think that's absolutely out of the question. I don't think money-wise the market will be as big, but I think it could have 
as many active users, if that makes sense. You see, I think the difference with the platforms here is that, I mean, people here only really care about Footstock, you know, the people that are listening, but I think the big difference with the platforms is that there's only so many players, there'll come a stage where capital appreciation isn't a mad thing unless you're really like picking youngsters who are going to come through, people who are going to have good form. I lie, it'll always be a big thing. But in terms of the actual growth of the market, Footstock will never want the prices to get to a stage where it's unattainable and there's a barrier to entry. So, you know, there will be a cap as to the size of collection it makes sense to have where someone can have a million quid in football index and it requires very little maintenance. For you to actually have a million quid in Footstock and use those cards and manage that collection, I just don't think you can enter enough tournaments. Maybe when there's more tournaments down the line, maybe whenever you can enter five into La Liga, five into Liga, five into here, five into there, and you could have like 50, 100 entries among tournaments on one weekend maybe then it makes sense for people to have 50, 100 of the same cards and have, you know, loads and loads of players from different leagues. Maybe then. But, you know, sitting on the actual, the time it takes to to research and enter those lineups every week, I just think the cap as to what someone could put into a platform like Footstock is different to football, uh, or someone like Football Index. But I do think current active users, you know, you could catch them. Does that Does that make sense? Do you think we could see a professional footstock user in the next maybe two years? Look, if, if, if someone had the bank balance, the thing with these things, it's about the bankroll to begin with. Do you know, if I had 50K in there now and you said to me, and this is me, I'm, I'm no rocket scientist, I'm not the best trader on the planet, but if you said to me, John, here's 50K, you're off work for six months, you're, you're temporary redundancy or whatever, trading's here, well, you do, do you know, I'd be putting massive research into lineups. I'd be looking at things, I'd be, you know, spread sort of, playing with the spreads, putting in bids, putting in um, offers, having a ball, you could probably make an awful lot of money, particularly if you know what you're at and you're very, very active in the market. You know, squeeze it every little edge out of the game in terms of roulette and stuff, using things like footstock stats to sort of find who the best roulette guys are, really going or stat stat clash, whatever it's going to be called now. Is that what it's called? That clash was uh, James' exclusive reveal on episode one of the Total Footstock podcast. There's an awful lot of opportunity on Footstock now. It's like any platform, whenever it's it's early days, people who take the initiative, sort of put the time in at the start, can, can benefit heavily. And I think there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money. After talking to Jay Fraz recently, the amount of activity he has, the amount of active trades he's doing. If someone was full-time at this, eight hours a day, five days a week, let's say, I have no doubt you could make, you could make enough to make a living. The liquidity might be an issue now, but down the line, I think, yeah, within two years, I don't know if anyone will, but you 100% could. I wonder if it would if we'll ever see someone do that in the next year. But I do want to thank you coming, for coming on the pod, John. Thank you for giving up a cold Monday evening to come on the pod. And I hope, hope you've enjoyed being the guest rather than the host for once. Yeah, uh, geez, I tell you what, I'll now like, respect guests a bit more, do you know, when they go off on tangents and I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, like, where is he going with this? Do you know, like, geez, it's so easy to go down rabbit holes. I think there's just so much to the platform and there's so much that can be done. And I think that's almost one of the biggest strengths of the platform. It's the amount of options they have and, and the potential of the platform. Let's see where we are in a year's time. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to have you back on in a year's time. And we'll look, look back at this pod and we'll hear you talking about the, your problems with the app that were sorted three days later and you look like a fool or whatever. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you very much for coming on. And I look forward to hearing more of your pods as well in the future. No, cheers. Thank you very much for having me.